Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. This is episode 54. Lolis, clean the floor. Obligatory. Clean the floor. Yeah. 54, clean the floor. Everybody do the dinosaur. <laughs> um, Better option. Uh, yeah, I also, because I edited uh, episode 53, I'm also um, aware that somebody didn't bother looking up what the bingo call was for 53 last week. We did look it um, up. Look, I'm away for one week. and Go on then, go on then, tell me. What is we it? did look it up, it was do a P, we said. No, it stuck in the it tree. Was. It's stuck in the tree. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, I tried to see if there was an explanation, but it's literally just because they rhyme, so there is no explanation. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> we do. We have a very special guest, although you've never my tell from the, the, the topics of discussion so far. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Colin Cummings. Hello. Thanks for joining us, that's Colin. Me. Thank you for having me. It is wonderful to be here. Uh, so for uh, folks who who maybe have come across some of your games before or mm -hmm. maybe haven't come across some of your games, do you mind giving us a brief intro of who you are and what you do? Of course. I should explain why I'm here in the first place. <laughs> who is this <laughs> gentleman and why is he on this podcast? Um, I make tabletop games for people who don't know. Uh, I made Boy Problems, uh, which is probably my most well-known one, the Carly Rae Jepsen-inspired cyberpunk heist RPG. Um, I also made Blackheart, which is a Carly Rae Jepsen-inspired cultist horror rpg there is also in case of an emergency which is a control uh, scp themed uh workplace nightmare escape game rpg uh, uh struggling to explain that one and then uh and then there's tales end which is a sort of journaling solo journaling and you know party uh game rules light rpg those are my games yay and i'm working Amazing. on more Many more. <laughs> for, and for folks who want a, a taste of it, we've actually played Boy Problems on the channel yeah. before. Mm. We played it for EGX Res, I and think it was last three year. Three separate characters, all named Carly Rae Jepsen or some variation of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I've never it seen It was Matt. wonderful. I've never seen Matt quite so excited. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was ticking all my boxes. It's got Conor <laughs> Jepsen. It's tabletop RPG. Like, let's let's ride. <laughs> it was. I. It was an amazing. I watched it. I was. <laughs> I was wowed and astounded by your antics and your managing to squeeze Carly Rae Jepsen into every nook and cranny of that more than even I did which was fantastic oh, yeah, um, I'm just remembering yeah. back to uh, to all the different Carly Rae Jepsen characters and oh my god that was that was another time wasn't it it was another time. <laughs> it was, it was another yeah. time a whole millennia ago when we played Boy Problems basically yeah a whole uh, lifetime ago yeah. feels uh, like and the the lesser important folks on the the podcast, of course, there's me. Look, we've got a guest. You know, like we're here all the time. We're we're old hat by this point. Uh, I'm at Jarvis. I'm the editor in chief of Dicebreaker. I'm joined by Will's head of video for Dicebreaker. Hello, thanks for having me. And Alex Lodi's video producer for Dicebreaker. Didn't I not already get introduced when I did the bingo call? Hi. I again. think I just throw over to you for the bingo call. <laughs> You know. Okay, cool. Hi. We've got we've got a format and we stick to it. Okay. Yeah, uh, obviously. That format has no format. Podcast. Um, and Alex, me and staff writer. Hello. Yeah, I'm the I'm the piece of chewing gum stuck under the table at this point of this podcast. I'm just hanging around whether you want me there or not. So 
You know when someone gets out of a leather chair and you can see the imprint of them in the texture? <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to do more than scrape me off this. <laughs> me and, hanging on. Me and is a butt print. That's what she is. <laughs> in the chair of this The foundation. Podcast. The foundation of the podcast. Exactly. That's nice yeah, yeah. This that's podcast a much nicer was built on that butt that. print. Yeah. <laughs> There's history We're... in that butt crack. <laughs> Blood print, not blood uh, crack. Oh my lord, Matt! Quick. I like, yeah, yeah I, I obviously don't need to uh, uh, introduce what we're doing here, but I'll, I will. So, uh, just for the sake of uh, formalities, we're here to talk about tabletop RPGs and board games and stuff. Obviously, from to that be fair, I was just going to say I don't think it was very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as always, we kick off with what folks have been playing, and I'm going to throw over to our guest, Colin. Colin, what have you been playing recently? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> to disappoint everyone, Move. I I'm uh, mostly in design mode at the moment. I have a new the Boy Problems expansion comes out on May eighth, which I announced yesterday. Um, so I have been in full design mode, uh, and by full design mode, I mean procrastinating mostly until I do everything <laughs> last minute, which is how most of my games are created. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Now, is uh, it true for designers as it is? Because, like, journalists, you, you tell people, oh, I write about board games, and they're like, oh, you play them all the time then. Is it the same for designers in that you spend more time, you know, writing and thinking about them than you actually do playing them? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I look at a lot of them. I, I like to buy them and go, oh, look at this. That was a good idea. I don't actually play them. I just look at them <laughs> and read them. They're really good books, really. Well, yeah, there's, there's, there's a big discussion around, like, is reading an RPG book the same as playing it? Because a lot mm. of people think, yeah, like, if, you've, if you read through the rules, like, you, you kind of are playing the game sort of thing and, and getting to know it, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can experience RPGs, especially tabletop games. And, you know, getting a group together as... We're lucky that we're a bunch of adults who've managed to get together, you know, and, and talk about board games, but it's hard to get your friends together to play, even play board games, let alone talk mm -hmm. about them. Um, so it can be, it's, it's nice to just look through RPGs. Like I, I, I'm sure there's people like me too, who just love a good layout and love looking at yeah. art. Like I love a good tabletop book, like a coffee table book mm -hmm. where I'm like, ah, look at that. This is great. I have I have the I have one next to me that I flipped through. I have the it's the um, art book for control, and it's so beautiful. Yes. It has like a wonderful layout. I'm just like, ooh, look at this, look at this, guys. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, but look at the layout. <laughs> of course, you can find thing. a list of uh, beautiful RPGs here on Dicebreaker, uh, YouTube.com forward slash Dicebreaker. Do that. <laughs> that video so did not get enough love. <laughs> That was a great video. That was a video targeted towards me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Excellent. Uh is there well, is there anything that's been catching your eye in terms of just uh again, I feel it's that classic thing of there are so many RPGs that at some point you just find yourself going, Oh, I I would love to play this in the future, and the future is always the future. And it just like always sticks around, but it's like you say, just nice having a book to look at and go, that seems really well, cool. I can't wait to play that. Matt, the future uh, is always the future, just to quickly say. <laughs> told um, it's too early to talk about the flow of time for me. <laughs> Let me finish my copy. Um, I have, I'm really excited. I backed uh, Wander Home uh, and that the physical mm -hmm. copy should be somewhere in the mail, possibly. I haven't really looked at the shipping <laughs> notification on it but i'm very excited to dig into that um it looks like a very beautiful rpg and i love the little forest creatures going on adventures um it's such a wonderful team who did that too um the one i 
gaze at lovingly is Lancer. I always look at Lancer mm. as my like dream to play, but who is good? Who, who am I going to wrangle to play Lancer? I'm like, okay, guys, it's a 400 page book. It's about mechs, and they're out. They're out at 400 page book. I'm going to put down a hex map. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wait. Yeah, wait. No, why, why are you leaving? So that's my dream at some point. Um, but that's why I make the RPGs I do, because I'm like, I can't get someone to play the 400 page one. So I'm like, here, it's a four page one. You can get in in 20 minutes. Low barrier. Come play RPGs with me. Uh, yeah, Lancer is... I, that's definitely in that category of, like, I own a copy and I've looked at it multiple times, but then it's just like, I can't... Like, I've tried to pitch it, tried to pitch it to my friend group multiple times, and they're like, yeah, we like, you know, we like mechs, all of this kind of stuff, and then, like you say, it's just the almost the idea of having to learn a, a whole new game that isn't just like five to ten pages long yeah it's sometimes just overwhelming that's the problem mm. yeah and it's it a very was... matt jarvis game as well <laughs> <laughs> it really is matt you yeah. and i have but... a lot of overlapping interests <laughs> yeah uh, Connor, you can you confirm when you're when you're making a carly ray jepson mech game <laughs> oh that, that's yes that's on my to-do list <laughs> trust me <laughs> <laughs> all right uh will should we flick over to you yes uh, what have you been playing recently? well we literally just played uh my favorite game of all time cyclades um my favorite board game i'll let lolis talk about that though because lolis uh has got something very exciting to say about that um Ooh. but uh apart from that i have also been i played some more arkham horror uh and something mm. horrible happened oh um, Something absolutely horrible happened. Um, so we we moved on to the next scenario. We finished the train. So we're now on scenario three on the campaign we're doing, uh, where we've arrived at Dunwick. Um, and basically, I'm playing a character called Ashcan Pete. Uh, and, he, you know, he's a vagabond. He's a wanderer. But he has a dog called Duke. Um, and he's an ally card that starts already in play. So it's really good. Really, really good card. But obviously, he's kind of rubbish without it. Um, and this scenario is literally designed to get rid of your allies uh, <laughs> to the point where there is a card that you can draw just called Kidnapped. Um, and I was like, oh, oh, no. Like I read the title of it. I was like, oh, no, please. It's like, if you have an ally, put it in the potential sacrifices pile. And I was like, no, 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 dog, dog. <laughs> it was horrible. And then we got annihilated. So now we have to start again. Um, but yeah, it oh, that was harsh. Um but speaking of reading RPGs, I haven't played, but have been reading the rulebook um, to a game by, uh, I think the name was Radman. Um, they sent it to the Dicebreaker um, Twitter account. If you've got a cool RPG that you're working on, by the way, let us know. We've got a contact email, we've got DMs, all that kind of stuff. Let us know about your games you're making. Um, but yeah, he sent us a copy of Hesitation at the Gates, um, which I'll quickly read out the blurb for because I feel like I'm not going to be able to describe it otherwise. Um it's 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 a it's an eclectic theme. So Hesitation of the Game is a game of chasing enlightenment. Your character will have goals, motivations, relationship. Um it's a tarot-based role-playing game with a trick-taking resolution system. Which is really, really cool. So I was reading oh, for the resolution cool. stuff. So if anyone's played a trick-taking game, you know, like Hearts or, or Trumps or whatever, um, it's a game in which you, you know, one person plays a card of a suit and then everybody else has to follow a suit. The person who played the best card in that suit wins. There's also a Trump suit, um, which uh, has much better connotations than than the modern variation <laughs> of that word, um, but is basically like a, a suit that beats all other suits. 
Um, and then if you don't have a card that matches that suit, you have to play like a burner card, which won't do anything for you. So you kind of like have a hand of cards as you're playing. And you're playing, so instead of doing like spades and clubs, because it's a tarot deck, you're doing swords, pentacles, cups, and wands, which is already quite thematic. Mm. Um, but of course, in a in a tarot deck, you have the, the arcana cards, right? So you've got like the devil and the wheel of fortune and the empire or, or whatever, or the emperor. Um, so each one of those, if you have it in your hand, you can play it um, as part of the resolution system. And then something cool happens. But because it's like a tarot deck, you have to look at like the, what's the, how does he describe it? It's, it's almost like the, the, um, the court that that card exists in. So like if you're doing something cool, but you play, you know, the, um, the Wheel of Fortune card, that might be based on like uh, something lucky happening or like, you know, uh, something chanceful. So you have to then have the, the thing that you are doing to make things happen fit that kind of theme which is kind of interesting so it's like yeah it's it's a really like if you're if you're a game designer it's it's got loads of cool tech to to think about and like think of the implications of but it's all wrapped in like this really interesting like almost like 1800s maybe 1700s kind of like catholicism kind of like mythos and stuff it's full of i'm taking notes off camera (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all you're like you're playing as like a heavenly order and all that kind of stuff like, it's really mm. interesting it's a really cool book um but that is on itch it's radmad.itch.io forward slash hesitation at the gate uh so give that a look but yeah really nice. interesting that's that's nice. what i've been that's what i've been doing this week nice. yeah we were chatting about this the other day wills because it feels like there's been kind of a recent trend of like uh rpgs powered by tarot decks yeah yeah because there are there are like a number of rpgs obviously use playing cards obviously dice but it, it I don't know if it's just because I've noticed more of them. Like they've obviously always been around, but been it feels like it's been it, yeah, it's a been a thing for a while. But I think the problem with tarot decks is they're a little bit more hard to get off, get hold of with than that are playing card decks. They're a little bit less accessible. But once you have one, they're such a good game design tool because you get all of the power of playing cards, but you'll get all the theme of a tarot deck mm. as well as all the arcana cards that have like a really thematic. You look at them like especially if you've got really interesting art on the deck that you're playing with, that immediately inspires you. And so, like tarot cards are really really cool to play RPGs with. Um, mm. even if you're just like messing around as a like a person who reads tarot for your character kind of thing they're a really really fun tool to have mm. i have I a love the idea oh sorry Colin. oh no, no. i was gonna say i just said i have a quick cultural question because i has mm. i was thinking of a design tool the other day and i realized you guys might not have had it or called it something different when you were in like elementary school did you have cootie catchers the little like fold like little origami like things that you fold oh, and then you like fold yeah. up the yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I don't know what you called them we called them cootie catchers but I was like yeah, that like fortune tellers or something yeah. fortune tellers yeah, okay yeah that you do this Why and then you co- yeah I just I cannot explain shove them in someone's mouth when they tried to kiss you or something I'm not sure I don't know where the name came from but we called them that. They kind of had like a sort of who are you going to go, like what's your future? Yeah, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. It was like that, that, um, that playground game of, is it MASH or something? Where yes, it? I was just about to bring yeah. up MASH yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, MASH was also MASH for you. It was like mansion, apartment, shack, and house. And oh, then you yeah. like. Oh, wow, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Well, well look forward to my new RPG. <laughs> that apparently, was... as well as being used to tell fortunes, the shapes were used as a pincer to play act catching insects such as lice, hence the cootie catcher. Oh. 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 
I thought it was along the line of ew cooties. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's webcams have just turned off for me, by the way. I've no idea why. I can't see any of your faces. It's very ominous. <laughs> oh no. Um, that happened to me before, and I just cracked on. So. <laughs> crack on. All right. Okay. Um, we'll keep rolling. All right. Uh, I was just going to say, I love the idea of using a like a trick taking, like you have a hand of cards, because then you you're going to have to choose when to use which cards. Mm. So like maybe use a better card earlier on, and like but then sacrifice the potential of getting a better outcome later. Yeah, it's really interesting because you have a bit... It's kind of like how Aegon works in that you kind of know what's coming before you decide what your character's mm. doing kind of thing. Mm. I really like it when systems give you like a sort of a platform for you to tell like what what's going to come for your character rather than the classic just sort of like, I'm going to do this thing and then you roll a dice and then you like fall on your ass or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, where it's, it's more like, oh, I know that there's a big failure coming up so I can make that more interesting. So. That's what mm. I wanted to say. Yeah, I'm good. intrigued by, speaking of card-driven RPG, I'm intrigued by Fiasco, the second edition of it, I think. Because I really like original Fiasco, but it is very much kind of like a traditional-ish role-playing game. Mm. Um, although you do use cards to write different elements on and you have relationships with the other characters. But the second edition they put out comes with decks of cards and is more kind of card-focused, I think, to make it more accessible for yeah. folks. But cards are always interesting me to me because they... I think sometimes they run the risk of if you have a hand of cards, you're kind of limited to the cards in your hand, depending on the system. That's um, life, but like you say, there's the... <laughs> you play the, the cards you dealt. dealt. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think there is something really nice in that it for certain players or certain groups or certain systems, it does provide that structure in a little bit more of a formal way, I suppose. Where it's like you're not just handed everything and told to you know do a bit what you will i really yeah, liked yeah. um i really liked wizards of the coast when they did gamma world and their cards in gamma world um because all of the cards were loot and powers so you started with a very like simple blank character and then everything just stacked up as you got more cards and the powers might not make sense with your character but you just kind of rolled with it and then you just had these really weird characters with these really weird like apocalypse inspired like powers and items and things like that and it was a nice I way to like formalize me. loot I love randomly generated characters, especially when they like keep getting weirder as the game goes on. Like, I love that stuff. Like when you pick up like um, like weird like like traumas or things like that. I, I I've been like fascinated by um, I think it's, is it Adam Vass or Adam Bell uh, has been um, pushing a game at the moment called Scratch and Claw, which is I think we've already we've had an article about it on the site. Um, but it's an RPG in which you buy a character card your character card is a scratch card so it's kind of like it's like pre-generated for you but it's randomized so you scratch off your thing and it's like you are a albatross you have like this <laughs> weapon or whatever you know like it's it's really cool um but it's also it's, it's kind of it reminds me of like keyforge but an rpg kind of thing where it's like mm. pre-randomly generated for you it's really interesting it's a yeah. lovely day in the village and you're a horrible albatross alex <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, man what have you been playing uh, I've been... <laughs> Are you alright? <laughs> I've been playing Betrayal at House of Oh, there it is. <laughs> so that'll say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I really so predictable? Um, 
No, I, I've been writing a list about it actually recently, mm-hmm. uh, which is now live on the site. You can go and read that. Look, I'm grifting as well, Will. <laughs> um, uh, and I just fancied playing it because, uh, you know, when you think about something and you write about something, sometimes you get an urge to just do the thing. Mm, absolutely. Um, and so uh, last night, actually, which in the flow of time is a different moment, um, we played some Betrayal with some friends. I think some people hadn't played it before on TTS uh, bracket spy games. Getting the um, acronyms out. My God. You're such oh, a pro yeah. gamer, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pro gaming on Betrayal, one of the most trash <laughs> games out there, yeah. Um, yeah, we we played a game of, of Betrayal with Widow's Walk, which uh, I'm pretty much doing every time I've played Betrayal now. Um, and yeah, it was, it was interesting. We actually lasted quite a long time until the haunt happened. Mm. Uh, and then it did, and it happened to... Um, someone who perhaps really didn't want it to happen to them uh and so they became traitor and the traitor um mechanics were all right the horn was definitely on the side of this is okay like betrayal is definitely a game that lives and dies by the quality of its haunts and i will be the first to say it is a broken game uh it does not work um sometimes it can be awful uh, but I child, also, right? I also really love it. Just like anyone loves, like it's like tapestry. Some... Exactly, <laughs> it's lonely. got its faults, but it's still a good game. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's bringing that she's old one up, <laughs> She's prodding the bees, the bees' nest. Um, bees don't live in a nest; they live in a hive. Um... <laughs> uh, yeah. This one was okay. It was like about someone who got possessed by a little girl and they play tag and then they're trying to find you. And the premise sounded like creepy and fun. But in the actual, you know, gameplay department, it was very much like you go into this room, you roll some dice, you look for the thing, you hope that your stats aren't garbage Mm. so you can do the thing. uh, And then you run away. And it started out with the traitor being really underpowered. But it turns out once they actually manage to uh, succeed against someone, that person is instantly turned traitor. So oh, it's wow. kind of like it's a hard thing to do, but once you do it, you're just like you're rolling. So we were very close to winning as the heroes, and then it all sort of tumbled down as everyone started becoming traitor, and then we lost. So <laughs> uh, my friend message to me later going is betrayal always like that i'm like almost always yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's what i've been playing there you go right Uh, yeah nice alex lowly's uh it's time to proclaim you i believe like Queen Victor of Greece. Of... Yeah. No, Matt, stop it. Shushi. No, stop. I want to talk what? about... And I've been playing two things. I want to talk about the other one first. Uh, I've been playing... We haven't really buried the lead on that one then, have we? No, <laughs> um, I played Micro Macro, but not... Um, I just played a couple of the kind of different levels because um, I'm planning to do, play it on stream in a couple of weeks time so i didn't want to like spoiler too much of it but i played a couple of like i kind of just skipped a couple of scenarios on the way 
Um, and it was really fun, but also like I was kind of seeing what um, I think Wheels and Matt were saying before about how after a while it's like you kind of come across things you've already seen. And I don't know, it seemed like yeah. even at like three stars, I think as, as far as we got, maybe even four stars, they still seemed very simple. Mm. Um, yeah, and we're just, yeah, I don't know. Um, I like I like the premise, and I'm looking forward to doing a stream of it as well because I'm I'm gonna do the whole like coloring in as 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 I find the little clues and everything. I think it'll be really nice and chill, but um, I can definitely see that that's a game that maybe I'd like to see more. I'd like them to see like see it stretched further. Maybe I also think like 16 scenarios, I think is what you get in it, is not a huge amount for when you consider how quickly each one plays. Yeah. Mm. Um, but have I like been, it still. Have you been playing in the pro mode out of interest? What's the pro mode? The pro mode is you only get the starting question and then you have to work it out and then answer the questions rather oh. than like answer no. a question and go to the next one. That makes it a little bit more interesting, I think. Okay. So maybe try that. But... To be honest, we were kind of playing it like that anyway because we would find a bit and then we'd follow it around for ages and then we'd be like, oh yeah, what's the question again? And then yeah. we go back and then all of a sudden we had answered like three <laughs> questions at once because we were just like off on like on the trail. So we pretty much were playing it like that, but not on purpose because um, we were just getting carried away <laughs> with finding things. <laughs> I think it definitely sometimes feels like one of those proofs of concept where it's like the the concept is really strong. The whole like it's where's Wally, but also mystery murder mm. stuff, bad, bad stuff happening. Go solve it. But a lot of the time, it does kind of boil down to here's where the bad thing happened. Follow them back to their house. Yeah. yeah. Like find suspicious item on shelf. Yeah. Uh, or that kind of thing. So, yeah, it, I think there's a lot of promise. Like I'd be really fascinated if they do like a, a follow up or a sequel. Mm. Um, and it's nice they're putting out kind of, I guess DLC is just on their website. You can go and find kind of mini mysteries, so you mm. can squeeze a bit more out of that map. But yeah, it's kind of the thing where once you're once you're done with it. And those Speaking... cases are about 15 minutes long, maybe, tops. Yeah. But... Speaking of DLC, by the way, I would, after calling uh, me and a pro gamer, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, if you imagine a, a pro video gamer is, like, drinking Mountain Dew and they've got the Razor headset, you know, what what's the visual for a pro board <laughs> slash tabletop exactly RPG it gamer? It's I sleeved cards. It's glass sleeved like dice cards. tower. Dice tower. Dice tower. Fedora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of those really expensive tables that like are just oh, yes. like, like, the, the, like you like pull the, like the map out at any time yeah. and like yeah, yeah. plat shirt plat shirt for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. metal yeah. metal coins it's it's all oh, the yeah. all the fancy stuff in it <laughs> yeah. you'll miniatures. never be one wheels you'll never I know be one. an entire room full of Kickstarter miniatures that they haven't yeah. painted <laughs> also I mean those those fancy tables are often like that kind of velvet stuff right so you definitely wouldn't be able to be a pro gamer oh no it's wheels. felt isn't it felt is yeah felt. Oh, yeah I don't know whatever it's fine yeah. <laughs> sorry i only but velvet on my ah <laughs> uh, nothing but silk for me <laughs> um yeah so anyway micro macro was one and i mean everyone's spoiled already but i won a, a game of sad. you usually love winning lowly i love thing. winning but it's been spoiled by several people on this very I didn't podcast <laughs> on this very, very podcast. podcast um yeah we played it just before we started recording this podcast um we were playing with the pags pa pags the pax oz lot <laughs> you, you were playing with the designer of pogs <laughs> i was trying to say pax oz but i was saying pags oz 
I think. Anyway, um, yeah, we were playing with them, and it was uh, it's wheel. It's what is it your favorite game or one of your favorite my, games? My favorite, yeah, one of my favorite. Wheels' games of favorite all time. game. It was my first time playing, and I on the very last turn. Wheels wasn't even in, like as part of the win- you sh- winning. You people. should have lost to Alyssa. To be fair, there had, had three... Alyssa been paying attention, there was three people who were close to winning. There was one who had been close to winning for a couple of turns, and I had been like trying to get to her, and like Wheels was like, "Oh, if you do this, then you can stop her." But Wheels <laughs> failed to <laughs> see that um because he was like oh if you do this you stop her and he and she did and i could have like place to say i could have potentially and like finished i could have potentially won earlier if you hadn't like given her the clue but then she was building her second what's what they called metropolis Metropolis, she was um she had three islands and one of them was had already won that's the one i was trying to get to the whole time and then the other two options was one that was really far south which i couldn't get to and the other one which was just on like the island next to the current island she inhabits and they all everyone who's playing there's five of us playing except for me failed to see that i had an island right next to that one that I, and there was a <laughs> ship there and i was all i had to do was send a troop over um so she put the metropolis there and so on my turn i just sent my troop over and then took it from her it was um, it was literally like in a cartoon where they leave a pie cooling on the yeah. window. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, Loli's was the, the dog just like following the pie smell. Yeah, following the smell. Yeah. Yeah, um, Not snail child, that's different. So yeah, Alyssa, <laughs> it, was, it was entirely Alyssa's game until I was such a meanie and just snatched it from her. Yeah, yeah had Alyssa put that on a different island, she would have won like without any competition. So. Yeah. Lolly, are you telling me that you beat Wills at his own game? I did. Mm. I, 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 said, I said before the stream, Alex Lolly's says that she's never played something before and then immediately wins. She's great. Yeah. She's great at board games. Uh, two for two in the Cyclades trilogy as well, right? Cyclades and Kemet. Inish. Uh, no, it's yeah. not Kemet. Sorry, Inish. Yeah. 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 Kemet's, I'm, Kemet's what's left. I'm. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, right, this is a, uh, what I found quite interesting when we we're playing that today. Is I in games like that when it's all about like error control or like kind of fighting each other a lot of the time, my usual uh, tactic is to be in people's faces and to like take everything they have and to I'm very military. Like when I when that I doesn't play... sound like you, <laughs> <laughs> When I play Seven Wonders, I'm the same. I, I'm always on the military track. I just love being really like aggro and and like just doing that stuff yeah i'm it's not a surprise to anyone but um in this game i think because there was already some people being like aggro towards each other i just kind of like very quietly worked in my little corner and just my own thing and then at the very end i tried to be aggro i was trying to build myself up without anyone noticing and then trying to take their things at the end and it kind of worked out for me quite well so um i think that's something i need to keep in keep in mind for future it's kind of like the two people who were leading you and Alyssa. you were both kind of doing that just like not getting involved just like you know just doing your own thing and then Alyssa was going to win via um philosophers and then you ended up winning via military so Mm -hmm. it's just two different versions of sitting in the corner waiting for that (laughs) moment to strike yeah and it was the women who were on top as well for the at the end yeah what can I yeah, say? I like a, We're top I conquerors, like lot... us women. 
<laughs> I feel like a lot of the time with those those kind of games, like if you're winning at the start, you will not win the game. Like there's as soon as you make yourself a target, like that's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I wanted to build a metropolis much earlier and I realized that if I build a metropolis, everyone's gonna come for me. And Alyssa was the one who built the first one, I think, and that's why people yeah. went quite heavy on trying to get to her. But she but she batted it off really well. Like yeah, yeah, really nobody well. really got close until that very end bit where I like nabbed the other one that she like nobody got close to the first one she built. Because um, she was just like swatting everyone away the whole time, and it was mm. really impressive, actually. Like fly, yeah, like fly, <laughs> like literally. It was, it was. I was very impressed, um, yeah, especially you can watch because the replay of that. Oh, sorry, I was just uh, going to say you can watch the replay of that over on the Pax Australia Twitch channel as well, mm-hmm. or on YouTube. Yeah, I was just going to say, especially because at the beginning, before we started playing, she she seemed quite unsure about like what she had to do and stuff like that, and like, and then, yeah, she just stole it. Anyway, almost. Mm. <laughs> right. That's what I've been playing. And I like I like Cyclades, and I I, um, is really good. It's really I want to buy it, and I want to. Um, also, I went sailing in the Cyclades before, so I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> you get an all wins, aren't you? <laughs> you conquer someone's island or not? No, but I, I mean, conquered someone's bit heart. Of personal, personal. Question. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> no, I, I want to read right. that book. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm done. The end. <laughs> Hi. Uh I'm well, I'm boring. I played more bullet bullet heart. I had a whole week off. I had a whole week off and I played two Leonardo games. Of the group. Uh, <laughs> did you say the Leonardo? What like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? <laughs> <laughs> uh I mean I did eat a lot of pizza. Um I played more bullet heart, which continues to be cool. Uh we were dog sitting for my parents, um, and my wife and I played um Bullet Heart a lot. I don't know whether to call it Bullet Heart or just Bullet. Because they've that's announced an expansion that's called, that's called like bullet, and then it's an orange emoji, which I assume is bullet orange. <laughs> is it so a peach? This must be bullet. Are you sure it's not a peach? No, it's orange because it's characters from Orange Juice. I think the oh, series. Okay. Um, bullet peach. If which, it was, if that's it was a peach, very, that's like the saucy. not safe for work expansion yeah. for bullet. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Matt, please refer to it by its god-given name. Come on. <laughs> Don't disrespect bullet, bullet, bullet less than three. Bullet yeah. <laughs> bullet. Less than three. <laughs> um, but yeah, it continues to be cool. Like it, it scratches the Poya Poya Tetris itch that I always have. Um, it is the closest that a board game comes to that kind of puzzling. Uh, it's very good. We played the co-op boss uh, mode rather than the competitive mode, and it's neat. You just turn over one of the heroines because they're all heroines, um, and they become different bosses with unique decks there's one of them that only has three cards in their deck they're just oh built around the number three so every time they do free or something or you do free or something something happens um which is quite cool uh, and then there was someone else that just kind of uh squished us basically with their patterns because they were really hard to clear uh both times i got eliminated and then i think my wife might have won both times just by herself so clearly i was the liability um <laughs> Uh, like so. Lily said, it's these women. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get you. <laughs> the other thing I played is Crokinole. I managed to play Crokinole oh, for the yeah. first time in a while. No way. Um, now, Colin, this is a Canadian game. I don't Ooh. know what this is. Please tell me what Crokinole <gasps> well! is. Oh, we're going to about to change you your <laughs> life. So Crokinole is a big wooden board that is circular. Um, I think it was. It dates from like the 1800s or something. Okay. Uh, it's basically just a big polished circle of wood, um, and it has pegs around the middle in a circle. And in the very center of the board is like a little hole, and you play Crokinole by flicking discs at the hole. 
Mm. Um, and there are different rings which give you different points. So it's like 5, 10, 15, and then 20 for the middle, which is not called a crokinole, but we scream crokinole every time someone gets it. <laughs> a knoll, if you um, will. A knoll, <laughs> yes. A Take your pick of knolls, yeah. Um, <laughs> I prefer knoll fielding. A knoll No, they're different types of knoll, though, aren't they? <laughs> they're very different types of knoll. You don't um, want a knoll gallagher. And I think the thing that makes Crokinole so it's super simple. You can play over one on one, or you can play in teams of two, where you sit opposite and you shoot from your kind of quadrant. Mm. The thing, the thing that kind of makes it so magical is that to have your shot be legal, you have to hit an opponent's piece. You just have yeah. to at least touch it. So you're always aiming to try and knock your opponent's pieces out of the board. But because of the pegs, because of the hole, and because you have to knock pieces into each other, the whole board is constantly shifting. It's not like bowls where you just try and all get close to the center. It's like, okay, I'm going to slam your puck as hard as I can and send it flying. Mm. But then so, it's that snooker thing of your own puck goes flying off in yeah. a different direction. So now that you've explained what this is, I have played it, but not. I played a version where it was a it was big it was much bigger and we were in my the parking lot next to my parents house when i was in high school and someone just pulled up in the back of their pickup truck and like we played it in the parking lot well, that's <laughs> which is the most canadian sentence ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't know that was, was called i was just like no another guy's like here i got some pegs and some things and i was like okay great We'll play this. So according, according to Wikipedia, it's a disc-flicking dexterity ball game, possibly of Canadian origin, uh, but it's mm. similar to games of Pitch Nut, Karom, mm. Pitch and Newt, uh, with elements of shuffleboard and curling reduced to tabletop size. So there you of go. Course. Yeah, uh, Karom is, is quite similar, but has I think that's the one with pockets in the corners. Um, Matt, but yeah, it's, I love yes. the idea of you strolling onto a bowls green and just being like, right, you old... <laughs> spitting on it and going this isn't crocodile <laughs> you're lame sport let me show you something really radical it was uh so it was because the the social distancing guidelines in the uk uh, relaxed a bit so we saw some friends at distance and kind of played crocodile uh in the middle of an open field but it was it's fun to play because crocodile, crocodile is, a, is a two meter board match up yeah, but you don't have to be sat opposite at the same time do you You're not shooting no, simultaneously so yeah it was okay. it's really good crocodile continues to be an all-timer mm, i'm being great. cheeky wills i'm watching you uh, <laughs> always cheeky all right but that is it for what we've been playing so let's move on to news this week's hall of headlines um we'll open with a quick kind of it's more of just a bit bit of an interesting stat more than any kind of news headline um so wingspan uh which was released 2019 i think um like spring 2019 elizabeth hargraves um engine building game i guess you could call it you Mm -hmm. collect birds you put them in your environment yeah you lay eggs you you know you basically want a lot of birds you want a lot of points you want a lot of eggs we've played on the channel you can go check it out Hmm. uh it's now outsold scythe um from publisher stonemaier by almost double um, so Stonemaier put out its what it calls its stakeholder report, um, which kind of runs through the, you know, the lifetime sales of its games. So how many so stakes out... they can all buy with the yeah. profits they've made from board <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah, how many stakes they just... can all physically hold. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Wingspan has now sold, um, or to use specifically, units moved. Um, oh, Matt, it's don't. moved 
746,991. Um, well, I can move 4,000 things. <laughs> by the end of uh, last year. And Scythe has, is on free, uh, 382,102. So it's about double. It's just under double. Um, but considering Wingspan's only been out two years now, mm. um, and that's about double what it was on last year, so it's almost doubled its Wowzers. units moved it's a lot in of the double, space. Double, mm-hmm. double, yeah. Double. But I think it's just it's one of those really interesting things where Scythe was a huge um, game when it came out. It was kind of it was you know it's, it's I think become one of those kind of Gloomhaven style games where yeah. it's broken through to the, a mainstream audience. Um, but clearly, Wingspan is broken through even more. Um, I think Elizabeth Hargrave was actually interviewed in like the New York Times and so on. Oh, I wow. think the theme has helped a lot yeah. mm. because it's not stompy mechs in you know, like <laughs> historical Europe. It's North American birds. It's like well, a very accessible, like, pleasant theme. This is this is what happens when all board games aren't decided, designed by the same eight white men. Like it's mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is what happens when when you actually get a diversity in the people designing games. Yeah, and I think like Elizabeth Hargrave has kind of spoken a lot about. The fact she's, you know, very keen ornithologist, um, and that comes through in those cards. They're kind of loosely realistic to the actual birds, so the number of eggs they lay and their their actual wingspan is relatively, with a few tweaks, I think, for gameplay balance. They're relatively scientifically accurate. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's. I think it's just a. I mean, it's a it's a bloody great game, but it's yeah, also I mean, just a sign of you know you take an interesting theme and stay true to it. Mm. If you think if you think about it, it's a lot more affordable than Scythe. Yeah, it's mm. a lot more. It's a lot smaller. <laughs> uh, the theme is a lot more accessible. The game itself is a lot more accessible. It doesn't surprise me that it's sold better than Scythe. Like Scythe is very much, e- even though it it may have broken somewhat into the mainstream, it's very much a hobbyist game. Like mm. it is. There is a lot to take on. There is a lot to to sort of get your head around whereas wingspan it's not like extremely light but i've definitely put it on the lighter end of of board games and so it doesn't surprise me that more people have got it and yeah i do think it the coverage has probably helped but it, it is nice to see yeah one of the prominent you know female identifying designers getting a recognition uh i haven't heard many people talk about mariposas but mm-hmm. um I wonder whether that's just because, like, Wingspan was the big breakthrough, and now Mary, maybe Mariposas is like the second album. It's. I was about to say second mm-hmm. album yeah. syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, it's difficult to. I think to make like, follow up. You need to consider as well, I suppose, when the games came out. I th- I feel like Scythe coming out in 2016. It's ki- I feel like 2016 might have been around like the start of like this golden era of board games. Mm. The kind of when board oh. games kind of went up again or like it was kind of early days as well whereas like people have been the the it, the hobby keeps growing and people are getting more and more involved and like people's collections are just like ridiculous now if you look at like board game instagram it's it's <laughs> the shelfies are vast so i feel like um even the timing could have could have been part of that but i think also like again the timing will have potentially influenced um the way it was designed, the fact that it's like a, a lot more pleasing to the eye, and like a, a, a lot of those kind of bits, um, yeah, it's probably all because of the time it came out as well. Mm. But there we go. That's kind of it. Uh, there were a few other things mentioned. They're putting out, I think, two games this year, uh, Stone Meyer, but you know, nothing, nothing not super joking. surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's nothing super surprising. There's no kind of ma- uh, major big announcements. 
Um, but yeah, Wingspan continues to be very popular. Good. Um, also, um, that's our what a tabletop. What a tabletop sentence adjusted like bird wingspan for balance, like <laughs> only in channel <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of good games, uh, the uh, American Tabletop Awards were announced, I think, last week or the week before. Um, we wrote up a story on them. I believe Chase wrote this. Uh, and the big winner, which continues to be the story again and again at these kind of awards lately, is The Crew. Hey. Uh, the Quest for Planet Nine, which I think won the Sh- Kenish Builder Yards and won the yeah. Asdor, um, or the, the Expert Asdor at least, um, and has now picked up this and added Another that to its trophy game. shelf mm-hmm. yeah. um, that we like very much. Um, so yeah, it, it won in the casual games category. Finally, um, so, for finally. goodness so, sake. <laughs> yeah, which I think we've said before. Like we feel it's more of a kind of a game that non it's very approachable. Like it's, yeah, people yeah. who aren't immersed in heavy games could for context, pick up Colin. This. Like this game has won so many like advanced <laughs> gamer awards. It's, oh. like, it's just it's just kind of hot, but co-op. Mm. Like it's yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the the American Tabletop Awards are quite interesting. They're generally, I think, they're organised by um, like kind of a group of industry figures and content creators and so on. Um, they're relatively new. They've only been going a few years, but their the categories are quite different to the things like the Spieldiars. Um, so, like I say, Crew won in the Casual Games category. Abandon All Ch- Artichokes won in the Early Gamers category. Yeah, I've heard a lot about this game. It's popped mm. up very very often. So now I am intrigued. Mm. And Calico won in strategy games. Oh. Um, and Road to Civilization is the complex game award winner, which I've not heard of. I don't know nope. Road to Civilization. Um, but I've heard, I've heard of Calico because it's about cats. So yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it's very good, but I've not played it yet. Yeah, that's another one that's popped up in various circles. And also, I'm like, oh, what is this? Also one mm. dominating uh, board game Instagram because people just love getting like a picture of their cat next to it. Or... Yeah. Um, I think yeah. did somebody make? Is that no? Never mind. Is that about quilt? Is there like a quilt in it or something? I don't know. It's got yeah, that kind I, of I think the cat is it? sat on a quilt on the box yeah. art, so you might be right. Yeah, okay. Um, I can't remember much more than that, but there we go. If you're interested in games that are picking up awards, there's a few more of them for you to go and check out. Uh, moving on, Alex Meehan. This you wrote exciting. this story about oh, one more multiverse, which I'm going to say is not a great title for what this is but the premise sounds exciting uh thank you so much for asking me to explain what this is on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) um yeah this is a one more multiverse which they describe as a platform which is nice nice and vague um but essentially you you'll be able to use it to play and design rpgs online uh, and their big hook is that the interface is kind of inspired by video game RPGs. So it's going to be... The main aim is that it's going to be very accessible to you. So whether you're making a campaign for a particular RPG that will be supported on there, uh, or whether you're making your own assets for RPGs, or even designing your own game system, uh, apparently that will all be capable using one more multiverse. And there'll also be things like safety tools to encourage inclusivity and make a welcoming environment. Uh, and there'll also be a marketplace for people to sell their various assets or or 
you know, games, etc. on there. It doesn't explain exactly how copyright comes into this, which I'd be interested to hear about with this marketplace. Uh, it might, they seem to be leaning more into rules light kind of RPGs. I think that seems to be a big push um so it might be the case that they're picking and choosing rpgs where the creators would be happy for people to kind of make stuff based on that and and sell it um i believe there's also opportunities for people to share stuff for free um uh it's in closed beta at the moment uh but there's going to be a uh uh full release in quarter three of this year mm-hmm. it's yeah it's interesting it's kind it's kind of got like a stardew valley-esque look to it yeah um but i think the the big question like watching the trailer it seemed kind of pretty slick but it seemed like it was a step beyond something like roll 20 because it's not a hex grid or anything like that it almost looks like direct movement mm-hmm. so i guess my big question at the moment is like like where does the tabletopiness of this come into it because they they describe it as being for tabletop rpgs you know but if you're moving directly on the screen and i think at one point they're fighting a monster and there's a health bar and stuff like that at what point are you doing things not on the screen well yeah so like i think this is where you know kind of like playing a roll 20 or something like that like it's basically just like a visual of what's going on in your rpg right so if you've got like you know, say you're playing Curse of Strahd or whatever, you can just build out the castle, build out the creatures and mm. stuff. Um, or if you're making your own, like, tabletop adventure, you can just... Here's, you know, here's the village, and it's like, oh, I need to shove an NPC in. You drag them from a box and put them on the ground, right? So it's... I think it's still very much... Like, it's still very much just, like, a virtual tabletop rather than being, like, a video game that has tabletop elements sort of thing. I'm kind of excited about this, to be honest. Like, I, I it reminds me of things like Dreams and um, even, like, going back to, like, Habbo Hotel. Like, you know, like, all that kind of... Like those, <laughs> if you feel a little blast on the buzz for people there. Wow. But, like, those free online resources for people to just make mm. spaces to exist in, I think is something that... Um, should be way more accessible than it is right now in in the tabletop RPG space. I mean, Colin, you 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 are the the resident now RPG designer on the call. Mm. So what what is <laughs> what is your opinion on mm. this? Um, I've been following it for a while. Uh, it's uh, it's super interesting. I've been it's. I mean, it's going to be so difficult to cover the wide spectrum of rpgs that they want, might, might want to include because you know it's so easy to like do fantasy or do sci-fi or do steampunk or whatever the sort of typical genres are but you know you you all and i know looking at itch that a lot of the games don't fall into oh it's a fantasy game it's like no there's four other things going on here that are very weird and different um so i'm really interested to see how they kind of try to put as much into you know approach these sort of more obscure and more weird genres that uh, especially indie games like to fall into. Um, but that said, I think they're the tools that they're showing off are really, really interesting. And I'm, I want to dig in at some point. Yeah. I think one, one thing that's going to help with that is that like it, it because it's user content creation for, forward, right. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, if you don't want to make a fantasy RPG, there might not be the art there, but like most people now, especially with the amount of tools out there for like indie game devs and stuff, like you can make pixel art, like you can make your own creatures, you can make your own little tile sets and stuff, relatively easy. You could probably lift them from like, um, like other, like royalty free like asset packs and stuff that people have made for games and stuff like that. You could probably like go on like I don't know the Unity 
store and, and buy like a, a pack of you know cyberpunk stuff to to make your cyberpunk game in so i feel like if, if it is leaning towards that kind of you know here is a tool where people can make things and just upload it almost like dare i say its name second life you know like it's, it's that kind of thing of like um you know this this is just this is just a tool and you make whatever the hell you want with it and people will just collaborate and and put new things out um i, I get what you're saying about the copyright though me and like it could there's a dangerous area of like <clears throat> hey i made this game it's like did you <laughs> did you make money off yeah, of it <laughs> I, I think i'm more i'm more worried about if uh publishers get involved not so much maybe people stealing other people's stuff it's more like you know someone rolls up uh, and and makes like something for a certain uh type of game and i think it's it's a dodgy line to to walk because you know for example whenever we're covering a supplement for dnd 5e there's always that fine line i have to walk with i've got to make sure i cover this because in the correct way because Woods of the Coast haven't made this. This is someone else who has made this for D D five E. So you've got to word it in a very particular way. And they're a lot better than like video game publishers, for example, with jumping on, you know, copy creators. Because I'm all for people this is my personal view, not Dicebreaker. I'm all for <laughs> people making whatever the hell they want for whatever it is. Cause most publishers are even nice enough that they don't care or they encourage it like um who makes blades in the dark john harper john harper or or um they don't need to worry about someone else potentially profiting off their their brand like D, &D you know yeah, so I think that's well, the only like, thing I'd be worried about. But. It's the RPG space as well, so like the, the whole point is to make your own content for it, right? So mm. I think yeah, uh, yeah, I th and especially like you know D and D are like Wizards of the Coast are the most well placed to be that kind of and like swoop in and and you know copyright claim things and whatever. But that you know every week yeah. you see a new game that's based on Fifth Edition. You've got like the is it the Dungeon yeah, Masters Guild yeah. or something. Well, they have the open source license, which allows people to yeah. create things effectively using the D and D system. And it's yeah, why you so see yeah. miniatures, right? You see D and D compatible miniatures, exactly. As long yeah. as they're not directly taking that artwork, which is a whole other question of copyright. Yeah. Um. You know, I think generally, like I say, it's it's one of the nice things about the tabletop space is yeah. people tend to be quite respectful, for the most part. Um, of if they if they take a system you know they say it's inspired by this or it's based on this like they seek permission like they use that system in a way that creates an entirely different game and different experience but doesn't just claim to be the originator of it yeah. so i think i like i think in terms of this it should be fine i think it will just be because it's pixel art, you know, could you see people just putting in, I don't know, Mario or yeah. the Stardew Valley characters? Like, is Nintendo going to come stomping in? Oh, but don't get it's Nintendo like the same involved. of anything. Yeah. Right? Like, you can say the same about Tabletop Simulator because there's Mario Monopoly on there. And, well, there's, like, you know, there's a the load Pokemon, of copyrighted art. There's so. the Pokemon Wingspan mod, right? That we were talking about. Where yeah. Like, you know, what, what happens if Nintendo do get angry about it? Yeah. But yeah, no, I can see well. where you come from. Once they got a scent in their nose, they're off. <laughs> Bloodhounds in Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> they're slow to move, but you know they hit hard when they do. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like a truck. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm intrigued by this. As like as someone that plays Fear of the Mind and doesn't care much for things like Roll Twenty most of the time, this is one of the ones where I've looked at and been like, oh, I could actually see myself being interested in this style, we'll, this presentation. We'll 
Pokemon's Uncle Uncle Mario's copyright truck. <laughs> 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 yes, <laughs> um i will say that like i think what's really cool about this is uh like there's so there's a lot of virtual tabletop things out right now which makes sense because nobody can be around a tabletop right now um but most of the time when you do see things like this especially the ones that have like polished assets so there's that um i keep forgetting the name of it every time i mention it but there's like the super polished um like fantasy rpg tabletop thing which has like proper 3d dice and 3d miniatures moving around and like uh, i think i know the one you yeah mean, i yeah. can't remember the name of it but like you get stuff like that where it is yeah that's cool if i'm playing D and you happen to have the creatures i want sort of thing where it's it's super limited whereas this feels a lot more open-ended like a lot more um a lot more useful for people who like colin said want to make weird stuff that isn't mm. just in a in a box standard genre without the horrible jankiness of things like roll 20 and like, yeah like I, I think it's gonna be really cool and it, it's it's nice to see like a different um like a different perspective of the developers making it like it very much feels like people who are uh used to making like video game stuff making a tabletop thing rather than kind of like like shoving in like css knowledge rather than you know actually you know making proper experiences if that makes mm. sense but yeah, no, I'm interested in this. I'm I'm really excited to, to give it a, give it a whack. I think were you talking about Tailspire? Was that the yes, one you were? Yeah, yes. that sounds okay, right. Yeah. Let me just Google it. It, it comes out. Right. It comes. I think out tomorrow actually in early access on Steam. Wow, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Tailspire. Yeah. So looks yeah. absolutely incredible. Like really gorgeous visuals. But if you're not trying to play a fantasy RPG, like it's mm-hmm. it's only so useful kind of thing. Um. But yeah. So there you go. Very interesting cool. stuff. All right. Uh, last one on the news docket for this week. Uh, just wanting to give a quick kind of shout out to the Zenobia Award, um, which I think me and you wrote of this story. It was announced last autumn and they've just released the shortlist. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was announced in November last year. Uh, and it's kind of mentorship program award. Uh, which is designed to kind of bring some different voices into the tabletop design space. So uh, it's specifically intended to uh, kind of support and promote a historical board game uh, that's uh, not necessarily created by a white, straight, usually academic, often part-time dabbler in superior facial hair, is the quote here. Um, um, yeah, so they've, uh, released a kind of summary of some of the games, I believe 46, uh, that are being put forward towards the kind of judging stage that will happen later this year. And there's some really interesting ideas in there. So the concepts range like across the the board in terms of time period from like pre 1500s to today. Uh, and it, they cover a variety of issues from uh, colonialism to queer issues uh, and sort of culture, uh, as well as, um, you know, like rebellion and revolution. And they cover all sorts of different geographical areas as well, from uh, sort of pre-colonial US uh, to, to Hawaii to... Uh, you know, Asia, East Asia, 
So, yeah, like, there's some really interesting things going on in there. Uh, and uh, the the uh, ideas will be developed till June 15th, by which time they'll need to present their designs to the panel of judges. Uh, and three designs will be selected, uh, and the creators will receive uh, 40... Sorry, $4,000... <laughs> Dollars in cash prizes. Forty dollars. <laughs> Forty dollars, um, as well as support with uh, sort of wrangling a deal with a publisher, a big publisher. Hopefully, there are some publishers involved in the award. Sweet. So uh, that's what's going on. It's really exciting. You can go and view the entire sort of list, all forty-six games, on the uh, Zenobi Award website itself if you're interested, and maybe root for your favourites. Hmm. And it's, uh, speaking of root, it's got a couple of big names attached. Are they mentors, or are they just kind of support? There's Cole Worley, and there's um, Jeff Engelstein. Yeah, Cole Um, Worley's involved. Um, I think they're judges. Uh, I'm not sure whether they're involved in the mentorship. Um, I believe the, the designers are receiving kind of feedback and some mentorship at the moment. Uh, to kind of develop their designs but I'm not sure how much that proceeds you know like that continues onwards apparently the entire process will be completed by October 15th of this year yeah it's cool I think it's like historical games are they're definitely one of those genres that often have like a very western perspective right on often non-western issues and and events so 1700s or whatever German trade routes. And, yeah, German and trade like... routes, Italian, like yeah. trade routes, trading in the Mediterranean, <laughs> yeah. Spanish trade routes. Yeah. <laughs> or or, or uh, a very sort of, uh, you know, Western perspective on colonialism in the sense that, oh, we're just establishing our trade routes on this. <laughs> Uh, colonialism (laughs) classic (laughs) it's totally fine there you go yeah no it's exciting to see what's going to come out of this Um, and yeah like like I said uh, I would urge anyone to go and have a look at the the kind of what concepts are there because there's some really interesting stuff and I'm like Mm. I've never seen a board game even remotely like like queer board games you don't you don't they don't exist or if they do mm. like i've not seen any because like it's just not a subject that i've ever seen covered in a, yeah a it's something that's been board really game. really cool to see in the rpg space that hasn't really mm. been mirrored in board gaming to be honest yeah. like it's like uh, there are a, a crap load of, of like queer and marginalized creators like making uh rpgs but there's so much less of a barrier to making rpgs than there are to board games um so initiatives like this just sort of like just break down some of those walls and it's really 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 exciting to see because it it means that we've got more people coming into the industry and making interesting stuff Hmm. sure all right uh let's move on to emails email if if you've got an email (laughs) for the dicebreaker podcast you can reach us at podcast at dicebreaker.com do it one day I'm going to sneak that in where you least expect it. No. I mean, just not near the email section, just randomly barking emails halfway through a new story. No, 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 uh, it'll be in the email section. I'm, I'm not, 
It's halfway through the an animal. Not that chaotic. Lolis, would you like to read this one from Gilberto, please? Sure. Gilberto says, Hello, Dice Breakers. I have a small group of friends who have no experience with any RPGs whatsoever, and we'd like to start with something simple. As I have previous... Uh, a previous interest in GMing, I was wondering if you had any tips or system recommendations for a newbie GM and a group of one to three players. I figured one to one is harder on the GM than other setups, but I would really appreciate your thoughts. Anyway, thank you for making this whole year much more light and bearable and for being such an amazing cast. Abrachos? Abra... I've tried. Abrachos? Does anybody know how to pronounce that? Abrachos. I physically can't see it because of my stupid Google Doc. From Brazil, and sorry for my English. Your English is perfect, Gilberto. Yeah. yeah. If, if anything, it's it's our Sorry for our Portuguese. <laughs> um, Colin, go, quick. It's your time to sell yourself. <laughs> I'm going to not sell myself at all. Um, just look at my stuff. I mentioned it at the top of the show. But otherwise, I recommend... I was like, oh, no, I have other people I want to say. Um, all my exes are mech suits by Anna. Anthropy is really, really good three-player RPG. Um, super, super rules light. Uh, really good starting place. Uh, I also really like... Scrolling through my itch page. Um, I also <laughs> uh, really, really like um, Princess with a Cursed Sword. Also by Anna Anthropy. Oop, I'm chatting them out super much but both are really really good starting places um the mech uh, x's and mech suits is a three-player one specifically um it's super rules light really really easy to get into really really fun it's it's you can have mechs without having 400 pages of lancer you can have it on like two <laughs> pages uh and then the princess of the cursed sword is a solo journaling rpg uh with tarot cards um as one of those systems uh to tie that back to the earlier <laughs> conversation yeah. Ooh, um I'll, I'll and it's in, super in super link. good under the video um, uh, both are, uh, yeah, both are recommended. Nice. Uh, and my own. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, because <laughs> um, Boy Problems is Lasers and Feelings, right? It is. Um, uh, it's Lasers, lasers and Feelings and... with a bunch of other stuff stacked on yeah. top of it precariously. <laughs> but I think, like, any Lasers and Feelings game, um, yeah. whether based on lasers, lasers and Feelings or Lasers and Feelings itself, is a really good place to start as well. It's a really nice rules-light system that... You know, can be applied as easily to Carly Rae Jepsen as it can be to sci-fi uh, antics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a, a nice place to start. If you're looking for something that, because it's, D, it's D6s, it's only really those two stats, lasers and feelings, or, um, yeah. Uh, oh, what is it? In, I feel bad. that Boy problems is swords and uh, uh, emotions. 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 Right. Yes, so it starts in the appropriate places. <laughs> Very important. It's a like I think that's that's one of those things where you don't have to juggle seventeen different stats either as a player or as a GM. You don't have to worry too much about oh, does this fit into like you know is this dexterity or is this perception? It's just one or the other. Um, so if you're just trying to get into a nice flow of improvising and rolling dice and kind of bouncing off your friends, I think those games are all a good place to start as well. Uh, yeah, I'll also do a quick shout out to um, because I mean, like, well, the storytelling stuff is is like probably like it. Well, it depends on. Sorry, I'm rambling now. It depends on how um, how much of a like be- beginner friendly thing is is the the thing that you're looking for. Like, when you say beginner friendly, do you mean like lighter than Dungeons and Dragons, or do you mean like these people have never played a role playing game? Before? No, you said think... it was first time GM. 
first time GM. Okay, yeah. so yeah, I mean, it, it depends how comfortable you are with like playing other RPGs. I think a lot of the time, being a GM is kind of like it's the same step up, no matter what system you play. Almost if you know the rules well. Um, but stuff that's really good for GMs are things like, for example, like Powered by the Apocalypse um, games are like really set up to make the players have a lot more um, of a of a platform to to sort of take over the story as well. Things like Ten Candles, where you only really grab control when something bad happens, and things like that. So maybe look at stuff where like you can share the load a little bit as well, which is also really helpful. Oh, but yeah, look at dog. Yeah. I feel like everything was said that needed to be said. <laughs> <laughs> All the information has uh, yeah. been delivered. <laughs> <laughs> obligatory quest mention. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which that, always it? comes up in beginner RPGs. But again, use a D20. So if you're looking for something where you use a D20, but it's not d d it's a pretty good place to start. Definitely Dread. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, Dread, yeah I like Dread. Yeah. Uh, all right. Excellent stuff. Uh, Wills. Would you like to read this one from Matthew? I would love to. I genuinely can't see. Oh, he see. can't they read. They are all yeah. just trailing Oh, off you the can't page. see anything. Google Docs is so broken for me at the moment. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Colin, actually, would you like to read this one from Matthew? Sure. Uh, similar to the recent articles about solo gaming, what are new types of games or activities you are all getting into during or because of the extended social distancing? RPGs. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, I obviously, like, I think, to be honest, most of the games I've been playing have been for a dice break. I've played some games um, off camera, but uh, I would say the vast majority of games that I've played in the last year through the pandemic have been dice breaker. And obviously, we definitely got into, like, a bit of a um, a way that where, we, where we're doing a lot of RPGs because it's quite a simple thing to do. Like this, especially because we are, like, theater of the mind players as well, for the mm. most part. Um, it's, like, quite an easy thing to do like this um i don't know if there's any like types i guess i've been sticking to lighter games because i don't really want to be like like for tts for example i don't really want to be fiddling around with lots of pieces um because like tts is already fiddly and then when you're like adding a fiddly game into the into the mix it's um it's just an extra yeah double fiddle and i i don't (laughs) i'm not about that life so um, <laughs> never double fiddle. No, never double fiddle. Spring, yeah. yeah, I'd rather just single fiddle. Thank you very much. Um, no, so for me, I think I've just kept to lighter games. I've um, I've kind of re-explored some games that um, uh, maybe previously I wasn't really keen on um, because as well I've been playing with a lot of people who maybe aren't like super well versed in board games. So I've been like Machikor, for example. I used to like mm. actually dislike and. Uh, but I played it on TTS because I was teaching it to some people and I was like, actually, this is pretty good. And obviously we've covered it on the on the channel as well. But yeah, mostly I've just been playing light games, which to be honest is like mostly what I've been playing anyway before that. But I would have also played some some um, deeper games, but I just haven't really touched that at all. I've been like, in a similar place yeah. where like you're kind of limited to, to who you can play with, which is a, mm. a much smaller pool now that you can't sort of just go out and meet random people mm. um so i basically like most of the games i've been playing has been with my partner and and she's super not into competitive stuff so like if there's anything where it's very much like me versus her she's just like i'm not into this mm. so i've been playing loads of co-op games like or loads of like 
Euro stuff where it's it's sort of like not quite as you know direct competition and more just sort of like we're both playing at the same time, yeah. Um, which is not something that I necessarily leaned all that much towards. Like I really love card games, but like usually I would play them every now and again rather than like I'm gonna play four different co-op games. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've been really enjoying it. To be honest, it's been it's been like a, a new avenue. Nice. Colin, has anything been filling your your lockdown time? <laughs> well, uh, for a good chunk of the lockdown, I was unemployed uh, because I used to work in the music industry and then Live Nation decided to oh. lay off three quarters of its staff, yeah. which was, I mean, that was fine. Um, and now I work in the in the video game industry, so that works. That's great. I have a, uh, I'm, I escaped. Um so for a while there, it was a lot of I played a lot of video games. Um, I the, my low point was I was playing World of Warcraft again. That was the low point. <laughs> that comes up I so got into often. World of Warcraft. <laughs> I to Final Fantasy it. fourteen. Man, yeah, I never got out of Final Fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no Stop pretending you weren't playing it from the womb. And then I started playing Mayong in Final Fantasy fourteen. So like two layers yeah, deep into yeah. yeah. You were double fiddling. Oh, <laughs> never, never double fiddle. Never double fiddle. Um, other than that, I've mostly been um, my partner's in bullet journaling. That's been her sort of thing. Oh. She has she has gone from like I'll make some notes to like she's like look at my journal. I'm like oh my god, oh, wow. it's beautiful. Um, I don't do that because my I do all my things on my computer. That's where my design and <laughs> creativity lives. Um, so other than that, it's mostly been uh, I fill my time with work. I've just been taking a lot of freelance contracts and like work's been keeping me busy. So. I'm boring. I do work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see with me. Um, Games-wise, so board games, I've been sort of catching up on a lot of uh, those games that, you know, pop up with, these are the games you will have to play. Uh, So I've been using the fact that a lot of people are up for playing games online to, yeah, play some, some chunky things. Uh, like obviously, let's bring it up. Sigh through <laughs> <laughs> terraforming Mars. Um, I'm just having a regular group of people who who want to play those kind of games, uh, and they're the kind of games that the more you play them, the better you get at them and learn them. It's just an ideal scenario, and I don't think I'm ever gonna really. Uh, if everything goes well, I'm never really going to get into a situation where I'm doing that again. Um, so I know ne- I may never be as good at Root as I am now, and I'm not very good at it anyway. Um, I mean, with uh, the games that you've been playing, like it's almost like you've been using the pandemic to mo- like morph into some kind of four year old man with a goatee. You know, like <laughs> I can do it if I try. The next um, step is pushing soldiers around on a battlefield with a little rake. Um. I've not been playing so many RPGs because it's I've I found it harder to get people uh, together to play role playing games um, online because I do think it's significantly less uh, enjoyable for a lot of people to do it um, mm. online. I think it, people are much more willing to play role playing games together, so that is something that I have been missing um, quite a lot of uh, activities wise. Uh, everyone always knows this but I've been learning Japanese uh, for almost a year now uh, and I'm enjoying it, it's fun 
it's nice to feel like you've you've grown i suppose as a person mm-hmm. um other than that some some video games i know i say we shouldn't talk about those on the podcast <laughs> but i i also play those um <laughs> lots of horror games uh so there you go matt jarvis what have you been doing uh, final fantasy 14 <laughs> Yeah, but board games, like, I think I'm similar to a few people in that at the start of the pandemic, I played a lot of role-playing games with groups. Um, and then as time wore on and everyone was just exhausted, yeah, um, they <laughs> fell off a little bit. So, like, I still obviously really enjoy playing them and we play them a lot for work. Um, and we play them slightly more sporadically, but keeping it up on a weekly basis was quite a lot. Um, uh, also, for a while, my wife and I were having kind of like a chess tournament where we were keeping a running tally because oh, my wow. wife is very good at chess because she was taught by uh, her grandfather. Um, so she actually knew moves and positions and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, and I was God. basically just scattering pieces around the board and going, I hope that works. Um, oh, Matt, you should absolutely play the fake chess RPG. With <laughs> but yeah, we got we got really into chess. Like chess is obviously great. Um, and also we got into Go for a while. Um, we started playing Go. And I got into Miyong, yes. Uh, both with cat people and not with cat people. <laughs> it's um, an optional Cat one. people are superior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, outside of board games, uh, obviously I got into Final Fantasy fourteen, which is not something I saw coming, despite being a big old Final Fantasy fan. You didn't see it coming. Well, I'd, I'd, I've never gelled with MMOs. Um, oh, okay, but yeah. various yeah. things happened in my life where suddenly spending hours with friends and just need like just chatting in a virtual space was kind of what I needed at the time. Yeah. Um, so I've ended up putting about like 500, 600 hours into Final Fantasy fourteen in under a year, which is quite a lot. Uh, at the moment, we're playing a lot of Sea of Thieves. Uh, my friends and I are now doing a weekly anime club where we watch anime together, which is also something I was doing already, but now we watch as a group. And we have a whole spreadsheet where we rank what we want to watch oh and we rank God. the opening songs and the closing songs. <laughs> it's We're currently on Cells at Work and Cells at Work is great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a very yeah. good idea of into the yeah. life of Matt Jarvis. I am Great. a caricature I, of, of I approve myself. of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Colin and Matt, you need to just make friends after this and play LARP. That's, that's what needs to happen. Uh, speaking of which, Neon um, Genesis Evangelion is on there. Most of the group has watched it, but there are a few people who haven't, and we're just trying to keep it Slightly further down the list because that's quite a lot to go into. It's a weird uh, one to watch yeah, online that's... with friends. Are you going to do we've the just sh- come... show or the movies? <laughs> uh, show to begin with, at least. Okay. We're, we're just doing <laughs> series for now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Colin, it's adorable well, that you thought they just watched one. <laughs> 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 but it has been, it's been really wholesome because um, there are people in the group who've watched a lot of anime. There are people who haven't watched much at all. Um, and we're going for. Like we're just ranking stuff based on Wikipedia descriptions, basically, because we most of us haven't heard of most of them. But you discover kind of hidden gems, and they're just a lot of it's very wholesome. Uh, and the less wholesome stuff we don't watch. So yeah, cells at work is great. It just teaches you about biology and all the like all the infections arrive, and they're just like these big, massive anime monsters, and it then freezes and is like, this is influenza. Influenza affects the body in this way. <laughs> and then they destroy it Why? using a very scientifically accurate method that is portrayed with like swords and guns, like oh, big anime gosh. guns. It's good. Also you know, has a every great time, opening and ending theme. Every time you get into depth talking about anime, 
I just watch wheels just slowly like... slowly crumple into myself. Yeah. Look, someone should make a sales at work game, tabletop game where you play as the cells in the human body. No, they saying. should make an Osmosis Jones game. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Oh. I'm writing taking notes again. <laughs> Come on, Colin, I'm relying on you. <laughs> uh, all right, there we go. Uh, Wills, you still can't read anything, so Mian, would you like to read this one from I'm Sam? Friend of the city, Sam. I love how I'm the next choice after the Wills can't read anything. Well, I'm going well, I'm we cycling around the group. physically have to pick Mian, so... Yeah, sat at the back of the class. Um, uh, Sam... Uh, also known as Orangeful, right? Uh, level 99 just shared a design your own bullet heart heroin blog post. If Dicebreaker was a bullet heart character, what would she look like and what would her powers be? Here we go. Oh no, Matt Matt's been building up. up to this one. So, this is the only reason he uh, he picked this question is so that he I feel like just we have to pick on individually. One. Let's pick individually for ourselves. So quickly, like, describe yourself as like a super powered. So in Bullet, they're saving the world from kind of intergalactic like threats. Girl. Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, basically but they the in Bullet, style. there's someone that's like a baseball star, and they fire like flaming baseballs at enemies. There's one that's an origami master, and they just form like a massive crane, uh, like paper crane, which is in the background, which is very good. There's one that's like a composer, like a music composer. So just kind of take an aspect of yourself and, you know, inflate it. Uh, <laughs> this is hard when we don't know yeah. what we're working with. I've never played the game. Yeah. I, I, uh, I guess I would just sort of like shout opinions at people until they destroy <laughs> Hot take, man. <laughs> I'm hot take, man. Which sounds like a Kojima character, to be honest. It does yeah. sound like a Kojima character. Hot yeah. take, man. <laughs> <laughs> big chungus. <laughs> don't reference that What video. does a big chungus have to do with anything? Uh, uh, I think for me, it would, like, leaning on all my own stereotypes at this moment, uh, it would probably, like, be, be a on train. a train or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes! I'd be like a a super-powered Thomas the Tank Engine just crashing into... You know that bit in Ant-Man where the Thomas the Tank Engine is huge and crashes for a house? It, that's me. You could be... Or you could be the Ringo from the original Thomas the Tank Engine and you summon the trains. Oh, that's Like, good, you're the little yeah. conductor. Um, oh I think mine would. I don't really know how this works, but I'm just gonna make one up. I'm gonna be like, um, you know, when uh, in Power Rangers, um, yes. yep, the, they all like there's like the big machine that goes to get. It's like is it all the vehicles or something, yeah. And yeah, then they can sit it. inside it and do that. I'm like, I'm like the the one that sits inside it, but it's Honey, my cat, just grows <laughs> to be like. A hundred times or more than really, really massive, and I'm gonna sit inside her little. I'm gonna. She's gonna have a papoose on. I'm gonna be in the papoose, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna. That's that's mine. That makes sense. That tracks. <laughs> that's good. Uh, for me, I think I don't know, because if we're just leaning into the stereotypes of our of our personalities, then I'm just imagining I'm like queen of. Like goobers, like little little gremlin <laughs> things, because we've discussed goobers on the podcast before, and they're just small sort of like yeah creatures, and I'm a like lord of them, and then that I use them to fight. So I like command them, uh, I don't know, and they pop out of my pockets or something. 
Yeah, ima- <laughs> imagine imagine that all the Muppets were sorted into like categories like yeah. animals and people, people and yeah. all that kind of thing. Me and likes the miscellaneous category. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of them. Uh, they're in my pockets, and I'm wearing a big dress and a big poofy skirt. And then when they all fly out of my pockets, mm. I don't know. I'm like, Woo! it's like the front of Never Forever, the Kate Bush album, but instead yeah! it's just miscellaneous Muppets. Yeah, but yeah, and I'm not lifting up my skirt, and they're flying out. <laughs> I felt like that would be a bit much. If you lift up your skirt, there'd be big puffy bloomers, though, right? <laughs> yes, there definitely would. Thank you, Wills. Imagine, no prin- imagine Princess Peach, but. Mm. I don't know. A gremlin. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the key adjective there is just sticky. Like all of those goobers are just like they just look like they're slightly sticky to the touch. Like god. Like the, the, yeah. the, the things that you had as a kid where you throw them against the wall and then they like oh, yeah, exactly. yes. yeah. and then they fall on the floor, yeah, they just yeah. Like fluffy immediately. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Colin? Who is oh. your bullet heart character? <laughs> Um, I was thinking, I'm, I've, I'm obsessed with fonts. Like fonts are my like, uh, I'm, I, yes, fonts are my one thing. I so I, either I, I would love to just be able to like summon fonts to use, like a Green Lantern type, where I can just summon fonts to use and shape them into different objects, or like I can be like, ah, my Helvetica sword that's just like made out <laughs> of like Helvetica characters, and then can italicize it to like make it a katana or something. Ooh. That's great. Yeah, just a massive upside down T. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. So make it level nine. Yeah. Come on, level yeah. nine. Make our game, please. Thanks, Sam. Uh, finally, Lolis, would you like to read this one from Roy? Hello, DB team. I adopted a rambunctious orange cat friend this past December. Ah. I love him to bits, but he consider- considers it a personal affront anytime I lay out a board game and he hunts bats around the pieces. Short of putting him in kitty jail, I live in a small apartment. How do you all deal with kitty chaos begetting your board games? Failing that, what do you think the most cat-resistant board game is best? Roy. Yeah, I, I also am <laughs> quite familiar with this problem. Mm. <laughs> How dare you take your attention away from him, Wales? <laughs> the worst thing is, like, you know when you're in the middle of a board game and you want to just sort of leave it set up and come back to it tomorrow? That does not that is just not an uh, an option when you get cats because you come back and they've sprinted all over when they get the zoomies. <laughs> what if you built that in? Half bent, flown all over the floor. What if you so, built that in though as a rule? Like wherever the cat adjusts, <laughs> that's the way it is yeah, then for the next day. <laughs> like oh, yeah, in yeah, risk. Well, like oh well, my army's so not there anymore. In your territory now, so I guess they own that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cat decided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Force of nature. Um, yeah, my cat doesn't do that. My cat's really well behaved, so I got nothing to add to this. <laughs> oh, but she's just well, like quite. <laughs> honey, honey, honey just never just... wants anything to do with anyone, right? So I remember meeting Honey and just being like, I just got the sense of like, oh no, Honey is not impressed. This one. <laughs> is Honey yeah. well behaved or is she just really lazy? Because <laughs> she's um. Well, the thing is, Honey doesn't go on table surfaces, so if I have a, a game set up, she won't go up there. She actually she started jumping on this table because she's on a diet. So when it's dinner time, she jumps up on this table now to. To be like, come on. But um, <laughs> other than that, she doesn't go on tables or like surfaces. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, to be honest, I kind of trained her to go up on this table as well because I kept giving her treats when she came up. 
But um, <laughs> yeah, other than that, she doesn't she doesn't do that. So I have no problems, and I never have any problems with her. And she's the perfect cat, and um, you should all be jealous. Well, thanks for the question, Roy. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, as for actual advice. <laughs> yeah, it turns yeah. out the problem is that your cat isn't trained enough. Yeah, <laughs> you need to get a better cat. <laughs> My no! advice is to play. Uh, ooh. My advice is to just play RPGs. There you go. Yep. Hey. <laughs> no. What about yeah. you, Matt? What, uh, Holly, Holly generally doesn't jump up on tables. Or she only does it at night when she thinks we can't see her. Um, because like <laughs> our, our electric hob beeps if you leave things on it. Like if it feels pressure and it's not on. Wow. And sometimes in the middle of the night, you'll just hear beep, beep, <laughs> beep, which is clearly the cat's, doesn't it? Oh, honey, but Honey gen- used gen- to turn off the Xbox. She does do that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, or on. Uh, yeah. But or on. Holly, so normally with Holly, she really loves boxes. So if we're playing a board game, we'll just put the box lid to one side uh, and she'll sit yeah. there and fall asleep. Aww. So a lot of our boxes just have hair on the inside where she slept in them. Um, but cool. generally she's, yeah, she'll just sit down and she'll snore. Um, she's less yep. fussed about running through things, causing chaos. That so. might, I mean, if that works for your cat, Roy, maybe try that. That might be a, mm. a little yeah, nicer. Yeah, box lid. Or if you put like catnip or something in the the box lid or something like that, keep it distracted. I'm I'm now trying to think like out of the board game world, like what is the most cat resistant? I'm thinking like games where you draw on the board rather than have like miniatures and stuff. Yeah, mm. but if they walk across it and stuff, they'll still wipe it yeah, off, that's right? True. What is the most cat resistant board? Happy Saddle? Battle, you don't really battleship. Is to actually like they, oh they like in. in. Yeah, yeah they yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, that's a really that's good strong. point. Hmm. Um, maybe like a uh, card game yeah I guess or you still have stuff laid out on the card yeah. game mm. do like Kerplunk and involve the cat like Kerplunk <laughs> or like or um, what is the Jenga and yeah just Jenga. the cat's just the oh, part yeah. of it yeah Jenga with a cat yeah Jenga challenge mode sounds good yeah <laughs> it's a game where like it's quite funny if the cat jumps on mm. stuff can you imagine playing Dread with a Jenga tower and a cat <laughs> and you're just putting your character's lives in the t- <laughs> In the paws of a cat. Instant death. Agent of chaos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I unfortunately don't have any cats on my own, sad face. But uh, my parents have four of them. Oh my god. That's a I lot know. of cats. <laughs> and two of them are especially notorious uh, for causing chaos and trouble. Particularly if food is around. I've never known animals more desperate to get their chops on something. <laughs> to the point where they can open covered doors and just like open packages and boxes and eat the food inside uh so i imagine if there's i imagine if as long as there's not food around i don't think they tend to be that interested but i do remember my mum being very upset one time with a when the cat kept sitting on her puzzle <laughs> oh oh my cat really does that honey that does do that yeah. um she does actually well, swish the um puzzle pieces off the table and stuff like that yeah your puzzle that. was a picture of her to be fair so maybe mm. she's she just, just filling in the blanks <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there is the thing that cats sit in loops right they sit in circles um, I left which my I think ring is also where they like boxes so. on the sofa <laughs> and I came back and she was inside she the little ring. Oh it goodness. was so was cute. I have a picture sweet. of her and she's just like sat in the ring and I was like, mm. oh my god, this is so cute. <laughs> but you could you could try that, Roy, is just make a circle or something and see if your cat sits in it. Or a SpongeBob episode where they <laughs> get away from sea bears or whatever. Or or put Although, your laptop on your lap. And then the the cat will sit on your lap instead because it'll want to sit on the laptop, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, warm things is also a good idea. Put yeah. something warm down. 
That, so. Yeah, get a, get your game box. Stick a hot water Stick bottle in it in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> Stick it in the microwave. Stick it in the oven. Or only put your opponent's game pieces in the microwave. And <laughs> the cat will only mess with them. There you go. Sabotage. Perfect. There All right, well... I feel like that's the comprehensive guide to cats that's, and board games. That's so, how I want job to done, everyone. We hope that helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that is almost all we've got time for on this week's Dicebreaker podcast. Before we leave you, wheels and lollies, what's coming up on youtube.com slash Dicebreaker? Well, Matt, thank you for asking. Uh, so we just would have had that uh, live stream that we were just talking about go out on uh, the Wednesday, but also at the same time, we've got a You've Never Played Quacks with Alex Meehan. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, because Meehan has never played Quacks. Or, well, she has now, but yeah. when the video starts and you're watching it, it'll be like me and has never played Quacks. <laughs> yeah. uh, we will have also just yesterday, by the if you're watching this on the day it goes out, done a a collab stream with Ox and EG to do some Ghostwriter, which is a brand new game for Resonim, uh, which is a party game about interpreting ghosts, which is very fun. Uh, tomorrow, we've got the next episode of our Arkham Horror Mother's Embrace Let's Play, because the the comments were pretty universally in favour of us carrying on with the game that they thought was crap, which sounds like YouTube. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of comments play, were so like, this to. sucks, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then on Sunday, um, I've got a new list coming out, and I genuinely can't believe it's taken us this long to do it, but... Best co-op games is on the way on Sunday, so look out for that one as well, as well as all kinds of stuff next week. But, you know, I've talked for a long time now, so Matt, what's coming up on the website? Uh, you mean dicebreaker.com? Why, thanks, Wills. Uh, <laughs> we, of course, have daily news stories from Alex Meehan and Chase, our wonderful news writer. Uh, Meehan's mentioned her betrayal list of the best, worst, and weirdest haunts. Uh, we've got a review of The Initiative, which is the new game from Corey Kaneshka. Um, which is kind of like a blend of escape rooms and choose your own adventures and an actual board game, which sounds kind of cool. Um, I'd say that Corey Kanishner sounds like if uh, Reiner Knitzi was trying to pretend it wasn't him. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I thought Matt just mispronounced it, and I was like, no. wow. Hey, I... we said no more games from, from Knitzi. No, I'm no. Corey Knishner. <laughs> Kanishka. Uh and we also have a piece coming out probably next week, uh, so not up by the time you read this, from Emma Steer about the representation of disability in various board games and tabletop oh, games, um, which is a really lovely piece. Uh, so look out for that. Um, and also Niall wrote something that went up last week while I was off, but I'll give it a little plug here because it's really good, um, chatting to various board game publishers about being e uh, environmentally friendly um, with board games, because obviously Box is full of plastic and cardboard and wood um you know not necessarily the most eco-friendly of things but there are publishers taking steps to make sure that they have as little an impact on the environment as possible uh and of course uh you can find us on <laughs> sorry i was just trying to sort on the podcast the... <laughs> oh boy you can tell when it's time to end when you start let's let's not even get into it but you can find us on twitter at join dicebreaker find us at dicebreaker.com youtube.com slash dicebreaker we'll have much more coming up thank you of course to our very special guest colin cummings for joining us this thank week thank you for having me this colin where can people find you what have you got coming up yourself oh 
Yes, I'll do a quick pitch. Uh, I am at uh, boyproblems.itch.io or boyproblems.ca. Uh, that's where all my stuff can be found. I have an expansion to Boy Problems coming out, side B. It'll have three new heists, two new mechanics. The heists are Casey Musgraves-themed and Taylor Swift-themed and uh, one other mystery one as well. Uh, it'll have a whole overarching like trilogy plot. Um, uh, in addition to that, I'm reworking Blackheart, redoing the entire interior to make it look better because it looks like garbage. Um, <laughs> that's me saying that of my own work. Um, in addition to that, um, I'm adding safety tools to all my games and updates very, very soon, um, built in so that you know uh, players can use those. Uh, as well, I'm very on the on the beginnings of working on Warm Blood, the last of the Carly Rae Jepsen trilogy. Uh, it is inspired by Disco Elysium. Um, it's Ooh, wow. yeah it'll Wheels have players <laughs> it'll have players playing one detective collaboratively as different parts Ooh, of his, per, his or her or they per, their personality um still working on the details but yeah. that's <laughs> what i got mm-hmm. uh, can folks find you on twitter at all colin if you want to give oh, your, your certainly yes uh, i think it's my name colin m cummings <laughs> i think Stalling, stalling. Yeah, yeah, it's Colin M. Cummings. <laughs> Can't remember I put the M in there or not. We'll we'll drop it in the description as well, so folks know where to find you. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It's been excellent to have you on. I, this uh, was so much fun. I used to do a podcast. Uh, I used to host a podcast, and I missed doing podcasts immensely. Aww. So this was this was amazing. Well, you're welcome back on any time. I'm sure we'll find I'm... another reason to get you on and chat more about Colin Ray Jepsen, Mex, and Taylor Swift. <laughs> which look, um, I'm not writing. It. You can just leave. Just leave <laughs> him, Colin here. I'm not writing it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you, Wheels, for being here. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Thanks, me, and for joining us. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Alex Lowlies. Thank you. Don't forget, I won sicklies. I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you for listening to the Dispec Podcast. We'll be back next Friday um, at the same time ish. Normally, it's three o'clock on a Friday, three p.m. BST. Yep time differences don't just never mention time it's easier that way uh but until then everyone stay safe out there look after yourselves and until we meet again have a lovely day bye bye <laughs>